Good evening, church. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, please, to Proverbs chapter number 4. Proverbs chapter number 4. And that right there really is the message of the gospel and the message of the church. Psalm 107.9 says that he satisfies the longing soul and he filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Come and dine, that song says. That's exactly it. Come and dine. Jesus will satisfy. The Bible also says taste, taste, and see. See that the Lord is good. He's a good God. Come and dine. Come try it out. If you're anything like me when I was younger, you're really picky with what you eat. Uh, that's why I'm so skinny, okay? But I, I eat a lot. I eat a lot more now, I promise you. I know you guys don't think I eat, but I do, okay? I really do. But man, uh, you know, just like one of those foods I didn't like when I was younger was corn. But you got to understand that the corn that I was growing up with was like in the TV dinner, like frozen. And when I was a kid, like every time I saw it there, it just looked gross. And I'm like, no, I don't even want to try it. And after I tried it, I was like, my word, this is what I've been missing out on. And I, I love corn now. I do. And I was like, man, I wasted so many years. But all I had to do is taste. Come and dine. All you got to do is taste and see. Uh, and that's really it. We can't. It, we, there's only so much we can do as Christians. We can only talk God up so much. Gots to be a point. There has to be, not gots to be, right? There has to be a point where you have to come and dine. You have to come taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. Thank you for that. All right. Proverbs chapter number four. Proverbs chapter number four. I've entitled this message, uh, Glow in the Dark. Glow in the Dark. I uh, had a lot of thoughts that came to my mind when I, when I uh, put that down, glow in the dark. But uh, <clears throat> I'll be telling you the theme here. But let's go and look at Proverbs chapter number four. And we're going to read two verses to start off right now, just two verses. Proverbs chapter number 4, and look with me at verse number 18. Proverbs chapter number 4, and verse number 18. If you're there, say amen. 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 Uh, can I just say, uh, I w every time it's just on my heart, I just want to encourage everybody in this room just to follow whatever God's will is for your life. I'm just always so thankful uh, whenever I have the opportunity to preach, and I just always want to give all glory to God. Um, I just stand here before you as sinner saved by grace. Uh, and it was his grace which is bestowed upon me. I, I, it's not in vain. I labored more abundantly than the all, yet not I, but it's Christ within me. And uh, for those of you, just, just for those of you who are new, and I've been getting to know some of the new members here, and I'm so glad you're here, uh, just letting you know, man, I just, I never saw myself doing this. Um, but God has a, a, in my opinion, a sense of humor putting someone as shy as I was into something like public speaking. Um, but God knew what he was doing, and I'm just so thankful when there's, uh, like the song said, he satisfies. This is the best thing I can do with my life is do what God has for me. And it's just so great. And any of you are on the fence of, you know, God's maybe calling me to do this, to preach, or to be a missionary, do it. It's the best thing that God, that you can do is doing God's will for your life. All right? Now let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 18. The Bible says this, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more, Unto the perfect day. Verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. And very sad these words right here. They know not at what they stumble. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again so much for this opportunity just to be here in church. God, we thank you again for this parking lot. We thank you again for this building, the electricity, the air conditioning. There's so many things, God, that you have provided for us, Lord, as this church gives. And uh, thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here, Lord. I understand the responsibility behind this pulpit. 
And God, I just pray that uh, I would yield everything, God, to you. Let the words of my mouth just be satisfying uh, to you, Lord, and pleasing to you. And God, I just pray that this church would be attentive here tonight, that they would listen to what the word of God has to say, that you'd say it through me. Help me to speak with clarity, and we'll give you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, as we open up right here to Proverbs chapter number four, we see a theme. Okay, how many guys have ever read or done the whole Proverbs a day? Anybody ever done that where you read there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, you know, some 31 days in the month? And okay, uh, well, it, there, there's so many different themes in the book of Proverbs. There's so much wisdom, and I love it. But in this chapter specifically, in Proverbs chapter number four, as we open up here, there's really one major theme here. There's two paths, okay? You follow me? There's two paths. There's a path of the just. You can, again, I won't go through the entire chapter. I will try to break it down quickly. But there's a path of the just, and there's a path or way of the wicked. And when I say path, or when the scripture says way, yes, it's figurative, referring to like a road, like you're traveling on, but what it really represents is a lifestyle. In other words, the lifestyle of the wicked and the lifestyle of the just. And if you read this Proverbs, chapter number four, you'll see very quickly that this is the theme. Solomon talks about here is the path of the just, and here is the path of the wicked. But who's the audience in this in this proverb here, chapter number four, and really a lot of the proverbs early on, is his son. It's young people, children. That's not to say that the adults don't need this as well, but the main audience and the focal point here is his son. Look at, look at verse number one of Proverbs four. It says this, hear ye what? What does that say? Children. Hear ye children. Uh, and it goes down. You can see verse number 10. Look at verse 10. Hear, oh my what? Son. And so, yes, the audience is a father right now. And you understand a father talking to a son, the, the, the heart that a father has for a son. And any of you who are parents, I'm sure, as my parents did for me and my two older brothers, what do they wish? I talk to my parents every now and then when I do it. We just, we want the best for you, right? That's the parents are. I want the best for you. I don't want to see your life in a mess. I want to see you doing well in your life. And so Solomon, who has children, who's speaking to his son, is kind of doing the same thing. And he's kind of get, getting down on his son's level, and he's talking to his son. And, he, and this is a talk. His father is talking to his son. He says, son, I have something to tell you. I want to I teach you a lesson today about two paths. Two paths. I want to teach you, son, about the path of the just. And son, I want to teach you about the path of the wicked. And listen, church, these two paths that are mentioned are really the only two paths that you and I walk on. You understand that? There's no middle ground. There's no other fourth, third, or other paths. You're either, everyone in this room, we're either on the path of the just or you're on the path of the wicked. Every single person in this room. You are either on the path of the just or you're on the path of the wicked. There is no middle ground. You can't say, well, I'm not really that bad. I'm not necessarily on the path of the wicked, but I'm not necessarily on, no, no, no. You're either one or the other. <laughs> There's no middle ground. And Solomon is trying to let, let his child know that, listen, son, there are two paths in life that you can walk. And the older you get, the more you will see this. And son, my prayer, my want for you is that you stick on the path of the just. That's the theme. This is what he's talking about. And, and you can understand the, the symbolism here. In reality, God the Father talking to us, his children. It's the same thing. God the Father looks down on us, his children, and says, there are two paths, church, that we can walk on. You can walk on the path of the just, or you can walk on the path 
of the wicked. Now Solomon, what he begins to do is he begins explaining what his son will find in each one of these paths. You see, son, look, let me tell you a little bit about the just path. Let me tell you a little bit about the wicked path. If you want to go down the just path, here's what you're going to find. If you want to go down the wicked path, here's what you're going to find. So he just starts, as a father would, let me explain something to you that I'm sure you don't know yet because you're a child, you're a son, you're learning this. And you need to know this now. So in verses 1 through 13, as as a simple outline that I'm putting here, in verses 1 through 13, we see Solomon's plea for his son to walk in the path of the just. Again, that's verses 1 through 13, Solomon's plea for his son to walk in the path of the just. In verses 14 through 17, we see Solomon's warning of walking down the path of the wicked. And then verses 18 and 19, which I know there's more verses than just verse 19, it keeps going, but at verses 18 and 19, really it concludes the ultimate, uh, uh, the end of these two paths. The ultimate truths of these two paths is the verses we just read. Verses 18 and 19, the ultimate uh, uh, truth about these two paths. Now, as Solomon begins, and I told you this is going to be quick, okay, this part, so bear with me, especially if you're taking notes and references, okay, I can't go through everything, you, you got to study at your own time, okay, but uh, as Solomon starts explaining the just path, here's what he says, son, here's what you can find, if you're going to walk down this path of the just, which I encourage you to do this, here's what you're going to find on the path of the just, in verse number two, he says good doctrine, again, I'm, I'm not going to go stop, but I'm just going to tell you here, you can look at the verse right there if you want, I'm pulling it right from the verses there. He says, in the path of the just, you'll find good doctrine. In other words, this path has good lessons for you to learn. Good doctrine. And this is really good. Aren't you thankful for a church that has good doctrine? For a pastor that teaches good doctrine? And we're just, hey, this path has good doctrine. That word doctrine, it simply means teaching. Teaching. There's good lessons for you on this path of the just. That's verse 2. Verse numbers 6, 10, and 13 He talks about the path of the just, it brings preservation of life. It extends your years is what he's telling you, preservation of life. Again, that's verses 6, 10, and 13. Walking on the path of the just, son, you'll extend your years if you do this. Verse number 8, son, if you walk the path of the just, son, you'll have honor. Again, what is honor? You'll find yourself, in other words, in great positions in life. You'll find yourself in great positions in life. Verse number 8. Verse number 11. Not only is the path of the just have good doctrine, it brings preservation of life, it brings you honor. It's the right path, period. It's the right path. In other words, the path of the just, everything that consists in the path of the just is aligned with what God wants for you, son. You understand that? Everything in this path it consists, whatever it has for you, it aligns with what God has for you. And if, again, if you look there at verse number 11, he says, it's the right path. It's the good path. It's the right thing to do, period. It's the good path for you. Everything you'll find in this path, it aligns with what God wants for you. In verse number 12, a very, very good arguing point here about why you would want to go down the path of the just. Verse number 12, you'll have a steady life. You'll have a steady life. As opposed to what? You won't wake up one day and find your life in a mess. There are a lot of people. There is a time in my younger years, and I thank the Lord, not that my life is never a mess. Don't misunderstand me. I'm a sinner still, but I'm saved by grace. But there's a point in my life when I was younger where I woke up at 15 years old. And for those of you who didn't know, when I dropped out of high school in 10th grade, never got my high school diploma, I got my GED, I thought I was the boss of my own life, I can do whatever I want, and there's one day where I never saw my friends at school anymore, I used to go to the movie theaters every Friday, I used to, blah, blah, blah. and then one day I just woke up and I'm like, 
my life's a mess. What did I just do? I thought that my life was going to be better, but you know what? I chose the path of the wicked, and I paid the price for it, and I woke up. My life was not steady. There was no foundation in it. There was nothing good in it, and I woke up, and you know what? Everybody who goes down the wicked path will find themselves in the same place. Look at verse 12. It says this, When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, I love it, thou shalt not, what? Stumble. That word stumble and straighten means to be like, I like a straight rope. You know, the pastor always gives this illustration of salvation, a guy's walking on a tightrope, right? And like, what are they doing on that rope? Maybe they have a bar in their, that's what it means, to stagger. Their, their life's like a, a balance of the wicked people. I mean, their life's a mess. They can't get it all together. One, one false step and your life's done. That's the life of the wicked. And so again, what does he do? Solomon just goes, he gives reasons as to why, son, you want to go into the just, the path of the just. So after Solomon talks up the path of the just, he begins warning of the path of the wicked. And in verses 14 and 15, Solomon, get, Solomon begins to tell his son this. Look at those verses right now, if you would, with me. Verses 14 and 15. He says this, Enter not. Now this is the transition. He's going to begin warning. And this is how he starts it. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Now, I want you to understand, make a note of this. Solomon is warning somebody, his son in essence here, who has listened to good doctrine and walked in the path of the just. You see, you can't tell someone not to enter into paths if they're not in there already. You understand? He says, enter not. That means his son was not in the wicked path. You understand? His son was not in the wicked path. He says, don't enter it. You're not there and don't enter it. Don't go there. So, but I, I want you to understand that the audience right now, someone, again, who is in the path of the just, the audience right now, he's about to warn somebody who's listened to good doctrine. You see, something happens as Christians, as you and I, when we see the path of the wicked. Understand that the word path, again, it represents a lifestyle. And when we Christians, when we see a lifestyle of the wicked, when we see what they do and how they live, sometimes... Really, for everybody, if you're a normal human being, the, the devil will tempt you into going down that path. That's what he'll do. You see, the audience here is us, church. The warning is to the people who listen to good doctrine. And again, that's us. We listen to good doctrine every Wednesday, every Sunday. We're in the path of the just, and the warning's to us. We need to hear this message. Don't enter into this path. We're the ones that might get tempted to go down the path of the wicked. We, we see, whether it's on social media or in the news or whatever it is, there could be something that the devil, I mean, there's plenty of scriptures about how they're seducing spirits and, and they really can entangle you and get you to start thinking and contemplating, you know what, is this Christian life worth it? Is the path of the just worth it? I mean, look at all maybe the fun they're having. Look at the riches that they have. Look at what they own. Maybe I should go, nope. You know what Solomon's saying here to his son? I'm paraphrasing this. Don't even think about it, son. Don't even think about it. Enter not. I love what it says here in the verse number 6, 15. Look what he says. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Don't even give it a second, church. If there's any one of you in this room that are maybe tired from your Christian walk, hey, remember says, in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And some of you might be getting a little bit faint, and some of you might be getting a little bit tired, and you're like, man, going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, reading my Bible, praying to, is a lot. And 
look at it, look, maybe I have my weekends free. Maybe, and, and you're starting to come, don't do it. Avoid it. Whatever it is, if it's a show, if it's social media, whatever it is that's causing you to even contemplate, avoid that. Turn from it. Get your back uh, towards that thing and get away from it. And again, this is a warning about the wicked. This is to us. So Solomon understands that his son might be tempted to walk in this path. So what does he do? He warns him of what he'll find on the path. To no surprise, in the path of the wicked, it's the exact opposite of the path of the just. To no surprise. Think about this. In other words, this path, okay, the path of the wicked, it teaches you more wickedness. It fills you with more wickedness. This path here, the path of the wicked, walking on this path will shorten your years. Not extend your years, it will shorten your years. The path of the wicked. In the path of the wicked, you'll find yourself in low positions in life. And the path of the wicked, nothing in this path aligns with what God wants for you. In the path of the wicked, you'll wake up every day and you'll find your life in a mess. It's the exact opposite of the path of the just. Now, to be more specific, according to what these verses say, look at, look at, look at verse number 17 or verse number 16. Let me read these two verses here really quickly. It says this, for they sleep not. This is talking about the wicked now. So he tells them, don't go down this path. Here's the reason why. For, in other words, because they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause them to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. You see, number one, one of the reasons that he says don't go down this path is restlessness. It says restlessness. You don't want to go down the path of the wicked. You'll find yourself restless. You say, why do you find yourself restless? Well, according, look at the scripture. They rest not until they've done mischief. They don't sleep until they've caused somebody trouble. You see, if you, <laughs> you, you know this country, watch the news, you know how accurate what this is about to get into here. There are people, the sinners of this world, who don't sleep until they cause somebody trouble. There are people who just don't rest until they've done some sort of mischief. As Proverbs chapter number 10 verse 23 says, it is as a sport to a fool to do mischief. In other words, that same that same pleasure that somebody gets maybe when they're playing basketball or football or whatever it is in a sport, whenever they make a basket or make a touchdown or make a, a single or second base, third base, triple, whatever, that, that pleasure that they get, that's the same pleasure a fool gets when they, when they do mischief. And these people, they live, <clears throat> they live to cause trouble. That's the path of the wicked. You don't want to go down this road. You'll find yourself restless. Again, they live to cause trouble. If they can't bother someone, it bothers them. It's really weird. It's a horrible way to live. Think about this. If these people can't bother somebody, it bothers them. <laughs> Scripture says that they'll lose sleep over it. Their sleep is mischief. They find rest in committing trouble. What kind of life is that to live? Proverbs 6.18 talks about feet that are swift into running into mischief, into things that are wrong. In other words, there's no contemplating doing bad in this path. You hear me? There's no contemplating. If you're in the path of the wicked, you're not going to sit here with the other group of wicked people and talk about how you're going to do bad. No, it's either join us and get to the wickedness we're at or get out of this path. You'll notice this, this path is cruel. If you join friends and you get around people who are wicked, they'll say, get on our level of wickedness or you can leave. You either cause trouble with us or you don't. Number two, quickly, there's a lot more, but number two, emptiness. Emptiness. Look what it says here. It says they, 
They eat the bread of wickedness, and they drink the wine of violence. Their sustenance, what they live, what helps them to live, they are sustained by wickedness. Get that. They find rest in trouble. They find strength in trouble and wickedness. Matthew Henry said this, they drink iniquity like water. That's crazy. They get that picture. This path, these people, they drink iniquity like water. You ever gone a day without eating and drinking? It hurts, doesn't it? It's the same in the path of the wicked. You know, there's a, there's a loss of purpose when one cannot satisfy his emotional needs. Unless they've done mischief, they don't feel whole. They, you see, in this path, son, if you go down this path, you won't feel whole unless you don't do some sort of sin. Unless you do something that's wrong. And son, that's going to leave you empty. You're going to find yourself restless in this path. You're going to find yourself empty in this path. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of bad things in this path, son. You just do not want to go down this road. Don't even think about it. Don't contemplate it. Don't enter it. Don't spend one second. One second is already too long in this path. Just get out of there. Run. Avoid it. Turn from it. Get away from the wicked path. You understand that? Path of the just and the path of the wicked. Now, as we get here to, again, really the heart of this message, because some of you are, what does glow in the dark have to do with this? This way, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so as, as we get here, he's kind of concluding and summarizing in verses 18 and 19 the really ultimate truths about these two paths. And let's read our, our verses that we read in the, to start off with. Look at verse 18 again. It says this. Here's the ultimate truth conclusion about the path of the just. The path of the just is as the shining light. You see that there? Shining light. And get this. This is really interesting. That shineth what? More and more unto the perfect day. The ultimate truth, look at verse 19, the ultimate truth of this path, the way of the wicked is as darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. Last point here before I move on to the other things, one of the most dangerous and the worst parts about going down the path of the wicked is this point right here, deceitfulness. Point number three, deceitfulness. Look at how sad that verse is. They know not at what they stumble. Did you get that? They know not at what they stumble. This is the saddest part. When it's all said and done, the wicked don't even recognize their spiritual state. They don't even recognize that they have hurting and longing hearts. They don't see it. You ever talk to a sinner? You ever try to give him the gospel? Oh, I don't, I don't need Jesus. And you're kind of sitting there, you're like, no, you do. <laughs> you're a sinner. You're headed to hell, and I love you, and I don't want you to go there. I don't know, but I don't know. They don't understand their own wickedness. When they wake up and they say, my life's in a mess, they can't point out what it is that's causing it. They don't know at what they're stumbling. It's a horrible life to live, but the ultimate and most dangerous part is deceitfulness because try to talk somebody out of their wickedness. It's near impossible to do because they don't think they need Jesus. They don't think they need God. They don't think they need help from anybody. I'm fine. Leave me on this path. It's dangerous. This is the most dangerous part. And by the way, the longer for any parents who have teenagers on this path, you better get them out as soon as possible. Because the longer they are in this wicked path, the harder it's going to be to get them out of it. I promise you. There's more scripture. But the longer that somebody stays in this path, the harder it's going to be. And we're going to see why here in just a few moments. But again, this is the most dangerous and saddest part is that they're just so deceived in this path, they have no clue what's going on. And one of the hardest things to do, 
One of the hardest things to do, especially if you're a parent, you've been here before or have a child in this, one of the hardest things to do is to convince a wicked person to leave the sin that they're in. One of the hardest things to do is convince a wicked person to leave the path that they're on. They don't want to. And they think that maybe some of the things that you might tell them aren't good enough reasons. Now, what I describe here in the latter half seems to be like the state of this country and the world that we live in, right? We live in dark times. We just heard this this morning. We live in dark times. And the question I I ask myself when I'm reading this, man, I think about somebody who, who literally sleeps, eats, and lives wickedness. They live off of this. They rest off. I mean, it's, it's just, it's horrible. I think about this and I ask myself the question, is there hope? Is there hope for somebody who's in this path of the wickedness? Is there hope for this world? Is there hope for us of ever changing this world? Is, I mean, what, what's the solution? You see, some people look at it like this and they'll say, you know, we should just live with this mentality. Well, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, we're, we're outnumbered by the wicked people. There's so many of them. They don't seem to listen, and it seems useless, so let me just go ahead and join that path of the wicked. A lot of people go down that road and mess up their lives. Listen to me. There is hope, and it's us. Now, hear me. Don't misunderstand me. Let me be more specific. It's not us. It's Jesus in us. You say, why? Because he's the light of the world. Whoa, hold on for a second. Get this. Remember, we just talked about the ultimate truth of the wicked people. They live in darkness. What's the solution to darkness? Light. Look at all the light sitting in this room. You know how much we illuminate right here? We are the solution. Listen to me. Jesus, not that he isn't the light anymore, but he was the light of this earth, but he's gone. You know what he told us? We're the light of the world now. We're the light of the world. It's not us. It's Jesus in us. You know what these wicked people in this world, you know what the darkness needs? Us. Sorry. Yes, Lord. Okay. Us. Sorry, Mark. I think I'm okay now. Okay. Us. All right. So, you know what this, the, this dark world needs is us, church. We have the light. We are the ones that will illuminate for them. That's the solution to darkness. It's light. And again, it's Jesus in me. It's this light within me. This light is hope for a dark world. Now, here's what's interesting, okay? We're getting to the close of this. Okay, here's what's interesting. We know that these times are dark that we live in. And I think we can say even within the last 10 years, it's gotten darker. It's gotten darker and darker. Now, get this now. If that's true, that means everybody in this room should be brighter. If the world has gotten darker in the last 10 years, that means every one of us in this room should be brighter. Even if you didn't necessarily work hard at it, you should naturally become brighter because this world has become darker. You say, what do you mean by that? Everybody in this room who's a saved, genuine Christian should naturally stand out that much more than you did 10 years ago. You should, because you're a Christian and you have light. If it's really that dark, and I love, look at verse 19 here again, or verse 18. The path of the just is as what? The shining light. But get this, look, it shines what? 
more and more. The darker and the more evil these times get, the greater of light we should illuminate. You should stand out that much more. Every one of us should be that much more noticeable as a Christian. Easily. People should be able to look at the church and say, those are Christians. People should be able to look at us uh, outside of these church walls and say, that's a Christian. I can easily spot them from anywhere because of how dark these times are, but look at him. Look at her. She's bright. He is bright. You should stand out. We all should stand out that much more naturally. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And again, imagine, if this world really is that dark as we say it is, that means we should be standing out that much more. Now the question is, are you? Are you glowing in the dark? See, there it is, for those of you who are wondering. Okay, thanks, John. Are you glowing in the dark? Are you burning? Are you shining? That's really the question. And so many Christians think, that here's, this is what a lot of Christians think. They think that the solution is to mix some of the darkness in with the light in order to reach the lost. A lot of people do that. Now, what about 2 Corinthians 6.14, if you're taking notes, which says this, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And listen now, what communion hath light and darkness? You see, if we're going to reach the world, the answer is not to become like them. It's to be that much more godly, and you'll shine that much more brighter, brightly. You see, even with the churches, as pastor preached this morning, it's not to get the world into the church. That's not the answer. It's show more of God's holiness. That's the answer. I remember when I was uh, interning in a church in New York, there was an evangelist there who said something I still remember several, several years ago. And uh, I just, I appreciate this because even when I was a younger Christian, he said this to me and I still remember it. And this has been years ago, but he said, look, <clears throat> as, as a young Christian, this meant a lot. This is what he said. Don't look at the world and see how you can fit it into the Bible. He said, look at the Bible and see how you can fit it into the world. That's the solution. You don't look at this world and say, how can we get the world into this church just so that we can, that's not the answer. There is no relationship between the light and the darkness. We should not be communing with it. And church, the answer is not to get a little bit worldly. The answer is, hey, let's, let's change our music. Let's change some standards so that we, that's not the answer. There's no relationship with light and darkness. It's an interesting study. You should study light and darkness. It's an interesting study. The solution for the dark world is to not let some of the darkness in in hopes of reaching them. The solution is to stand out even more and burn bright as a light. We are in the world, but not of the world. And unfortunately, people think that the solution is that if I become more worldly, maybe they'll listen to me. Now listen, when we do this, church, we're only hurting the wicked when we choose to do that. You see, not only are we confusing the unbelievers of this world with the churches that we have today, not only are so... What is good music? What is it? that There's so many confused people. Not only are we confusing them, we're also giving them a wrong idea of who God is and what he accepts. That's what we're doing when we mix the darkness in with the light. Now, really quickly, this is what the scripture has to say about light and darkness. In John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world, Jesus speaking, that whosoever believeth on me, listen, should not abide in darkness. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us Christians, therefore, cast off the works of darkness 
and let us put on the armor of light. Ephesians 5.8, For ye were, past tense, sometimes darkness, but now, present tense, are ye light in the Lord, walk as children in the light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, Ye are children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. 1 Peter 2.9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. I mean, is that not clear? We don't mix darkness with light. How much more clear can and Jesus' teachings be in Paul? We, the, the solution to reaching this dark and unbelieving world is not to get more worldly. It's to get more Christ-like. It's to be more holy. It's to keep our standards. It's to keep preaching what the Bible says as truth. To keep condemning sin. To keep teaching that God is not okay with wickedness. That's the answer. But you say, well, Mr. Castillo, I've been doing that. It's not working. Are you surprised? What did John 3 say? Darkness hates the light. Because their deeds are evil, John 3 says. Don't be surprised. But Mr. Castillo, I preach to my son. I preach to my sister. I preach to my parents. Darkness hates the light. Listen, it's not you. It's Jesus they hate. Don't you remember that? Jesus literally said, look, if they hate you, don't take it personal. It's not you that they hate. It's what you represent. It's who's in you. It's Jesus in you. Darkness hates the light. That's going to happen. And by the way, that's a good symptom that you're doing something right. The world doesn't like you. That's a good symptom. You're hated because your light is exposing their sin. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to be exposed for who they really are. That's a good thing. We're doing something right if the world hates us. You see, over and over, we are completely to separate ourselves from the works of darkness and we are to, uh, if we're ever going to reach this world for Christ. If you have loved ones that are not saved, don't conform to the image of the world for them. Let your light burn and pray for them. You see, if we're shining the way we ought to, more than likely we're going to be hated out of this world. And again, because John 3, last passages and we're done. I want you to see these. I want you to go to Luke really quickly. Two passages and we're done. I'll read the last one. Go to the book of Luke, chapter number 1. I'm really just going to read these, and I think you'll get the idea here. And we're done. Luke, chapter number 1. And look at verse number 76. A lot of verses in Luke. Luke is so detailed in his writing. Luke chapter number 1. Look at verse number 76. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 76. It says in this, And thou, child, shalt be... This is talking about John the Baptist, the prophet here, okay? And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord and prepare his ways. Remember that? John the Baptist, I'm... He's a forerunner for Christ. He's preparing the way of the Lord. This is talking about John. Get this now. Verse 77. What was John's purpose in life? To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Again, what's John's purpose? What's his mission? Verse 79. Ready? To give what? Light. This is John's purpose. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What? To guide our feet into the what? Way of peace. That's the way of the just. The way of the, way of the just has a way of peace. That was John's purpose. And I asked myself, did John fulfill his purpose in calling from God? We'll go to John 4. 
The last passage I want you to turn to, and then I'll read one more thing and we're done. Go to John, chapter number 4. John, chapter number 4. We're going to look at verse 32. Did John fulfill his purpose? He was born to be a light to those that sat in darkness. Did he fulfill his purpose? I, I love the wording in this one. I love the wording. Look at John chapter 4. Look at verse 32. <clears throat> says this. John chapter 4, verse 32. Therefore said the disciples one to another. Actually, I got the wrong one there. Okay? Um, it says this, okay? John shineth, and he was burning. Get this. Burning and a shining light. That's what the scripture says. John, did he fulfill his purpose? Yes. Jesus said that John was a burning and a shining light to those who sat in darkness. Acts 4, or Acts 26, 18, and we're done. Our purpose as a church is the same thing as John. To open their eyes, whose eyes? Those that sit in darkness. And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. What's our purpose, church? Glow in the dark. Don't change. Don't get more worldly. As the times get darker, just let your light burn and let it shine like John did. Prepare the way of the Lord. Keep preaching. Don't be taking things personal. If the people with the loss hate you, it's normal. They hate the light because they sit in darkness. Let's just keep letting our light shine. Let's let our, our don't hide the light under a bushel. The, the city that's set on a hill, okay, let's just shine, shine, and shine as bright as we possibly can. As, it, as, as Proverbs, shine more and more. I love that. We shine more and more and more as time goes on. Let's pray.